The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, my name's Tim Borum. I'm a biotech columnist, and welcome to the very first edition of Health Kick, a podcast series that aims to unlock the mysteries of the listed biotech and health sectors. Today I'm chatting to Dr. Chris Hart, founder and CEO of airway management company Oventus Medical. Welcome, Chris. Yeah, good day, Tim. Thanks for uh, having me. Pleasure. In essence, today's topic is snoring which may sound like a frivolous topic, but at its extreme, obstructive sleep apnea, which is the correct term for snoring, can be very damaging to the health of the sufferer and, of course, the long-suffering spouse. In some cases, the obstructed airways can even prove fatal, and we're not talking about spousal homicide on the part of the uh, sleepless partner. While our very own ResMed is a global leader in face masks and pumps to combat the problem, compliance is low because the devices can be uncomfortable and the devices are also quite expensive. But there's a cheaper and often better alternative with mouth guard-like oral devices that adjust the position of the drawer to ensure airflow is not interrupted. And one such provider is Oventus Medical. A sleep apnea sufferer himself, and a dentist, Chris used his knowledge of airway physiology to build a basic prototype mouth guard. One thing led to the other, and Oventus was formed in 2015 and then listed in July 2016. Uh, so, Chris, uh, tell me a bit more about Oventus. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Um, you know, Oventus uh, was born out of my own need, uh, you know, as a, as a dentist and a, and a severe sleep apnea sufferer. Um, at the time, I, I built a national network of dental clinics. I had focused my clinical practice on um, craniofacial pain and airway management and reconstructive dentistry. And so, um, you know, I was one of the many patients that suffer from severe nasal obstruction um, who, because of that, struggle to tolerate CPAP um, and also fail to respond very well to oral appliances. And so, you know, if you look at how the market operates. On one hand, you've got CPAP, which we know is very effective, and we you know, pump air into someone's face to inflate the airway, but it's not well tolerated. And on the other hand, you've got a mouth guard, which will bring the jaw forward to stabilise the airway. Now, the issue is that if someone has nasal obstruction, which I did, um, pumping air in through the nose is very uncomfortable. And so those patients end up, uh, they open their mouth to get more air as well because they can't get enough through the nose. They end up on a full face mask, which leads to very high pressures and strap tightening and discomfort, and they're the patients that are most likely to abandon treatment. And we now have some data to show that 83% of patients, sleep apnea patients, fall into that category. On the other hand, you've got mouth guards where if you can't breathe well through the nose, um, you'll lead to, it leads to very large negative pressures drawing the airway shut and multiple levels of collapse. And when that happens, the patient switches to mouth breathing and the jaw falls back. So I was one of those patients. I'd had some nasal uh, revision when I was a juvenile, which was unsuccessful. And out of desperation, you know, I got a, uh, some tubes and fashioned them into a mouth guard just to allow the air to flow into the back of my throat. Um, and we've now run four clinical trials, over 170 patients, and we've validated 
the fact that having this auxiliary airway is leading to significant improvements in efficacy. Just the airway itself are between 20 and 40 percent. And then we have a positive end expiratory pressure or a little flapper valve that goes into that airway as well. And it's been shown to improve efficacy by another 30% and another 50% with a second valve. So, you know, we inadvertently developed this platform technology that really is reshaping the way that patients are treated for sleep apnea. And so born out of my own need, and I was very fortunate that I was in a position to start treating patients with it immediately, given my clinical background and the regulatory framework in Australia, and through some serendipitous connections, um, started working with the co-founders, Michael Slater and Neil Anderson. We then took it to the CSIRO and developed the, you know, the software design and 3D printing capability. So it evolved out of a, a genuine need for myself and through some great work from a group of people. You know, we brought that to market very quickly and helped you know, literally thousands of patients now and hopefully millions more. So, so Chris, how, how many countries are you selling in now? And I, I presume the US is uh, your uh, key market. Yeah, that's right. So the US is 55% of the world market. Um, you know, Australia is 2%. Um, we also have, uh, you know, the attention of some major sleep networks and groups and key opinion leaders in the US and, and you know, a growing list of um groups in the US and significant groups lining up to adopt both the device and the uh, clinical clinical model. And so it's our core focus at the moment. We launched our O2Vent Optima in Australia in January and Canada in February um, as you know what is a pre-launch for the US market. And in fact, we just received FDA clearance for the Optima device last Friday. And so on the back of that now, we're rolling out our lab in lab program starting this month in the US. And so, you know, we're targeting to get a number of sites up and running by the end of this year, and then we'll run a lot faster in 2020. So the US is our key focus. Um, but the Australian and Canadian markets were both uh, very important to us as well um, as precursors to the US launch. Great. And uh, are you targeting uh, dentists, your, your fellow dentists or, or, or sleep centres? What's the uh, best way to get into the market? You know, one of the, I, I think, the learnings we had uh, very early on, and, and part of this was me, I guess, being a little bit egocentric as a dentist in that I assumed because we had a great mouth guard and I'm a dentist, that dentists would buy it. What I underestimated I, in many ways was um, how uh, sophisticated the physiologic effects are of what on the surface appears to be a very simple technology. So if I talk to dentists about the physiology involved with our airway technology, I, I can spend one to two hours talking to them. And in reality, they're not completely understanding how the airway technology you know, improves the physiology of the upper airway. If I have that same conversation with a sleep physician, it, I don't even get three minutes in before they you know, will say, well, that's great. How'd you come up with this? Where can I get it? And so... We had two options in the path to market, and we tried selling to dentists initially, and we still do. But that's selling um, a meat, in their opinion, it looks like another mouth guard, and selling that into a competitive environment. When we talk to sleep physicians, they don't see it as a mouth guard at all. And, um, you know, we very much then realize that we don't have a mouth guard company, we've got an airway management company. Our airway and our valves within the airway are regulating airflow and improving upper airway physiology. And the minute that we pivoted to that uh, messaging within the sleep channel, talking to sleep physicians, sleep scientists, and 
respiratory therapists, uh, there was a huge amount of engagement and demand for the technology. And so very much this is a sleep channel uh, product and that's where we are making an enormous amount of progress, particularly in the US market. And uh, the uh, cost, as as with any medical device, the uh, the, the cost is uh, is always an issue, um, and and of course reimbursement. Uh, where do you pan out on cost uh, relative to uh, CPAP? So um, it depends on the market in Australia and in Canada. It's roughly the the same cost, maybe a little bit cheaper than CPAP at the outset, but uh, very low consumable cost compared to CPAP. In other words, we don't have to keep the patient doesn't have to keep buying masks and hoses and cleaners and seals and pillows and this sort of thing. In in the US market, it's reimbursed by insurers, um, and in fact, uh, the the reimbursement for the oral appliances in many instances is actually higher than CPAP at the moment. Um, but as with all healthcare businesses, there's ongoing pressure on reimbursement, so we would expect that you know, it'll roughly be um, in terms of cost of care similar to CPAP in the long term, um, possibly a little bit higher reimbursement at the moment. And co-pays in Australia are very high. The out-of-pocket expenses probably around between 50 and 70%. The co-pay in the US is much lower um, than that, probably around 20 to 30%. So again, you know, the US is a very favourable market in terms of reimbursement and out-of-pocket cost to the patients. It's much cheaper for the patients to um, move forward with an oral appliance, particularly in the long term without the ongoing consumable cost uh, compared to CPAP. Yeah, okay, okay. And you've had several uh, iterations of, of, of the device, haven't you? Uh, o, o, O2 Vent Optima being the latest one, but uh, you've you've sort of improved them along the way, haven't you? I think uh, Optima is uh, iteration 27.3, actually, when I go <laughs> through the, uh, the, the files. And each, each one, you know, has been an improvement, but... It, the Optima is—it's an absolutely beautiful device. Um, you know, when I look back at, while they were very clinically effective, um, some of the other devices were maybe not as attractive and certainly not as low profile, lightweight and compact. And the real, I guess, um, surprise in all of this was the X-Vent valve. So you know, we got improvements in efficacy of somewhere between twenty and forty percent when we added the airway into oral appliance therapy or into the mouth guard. Then when we added the valves and we got further improvements of another of 30 to 50 percent um, and that's basically taking you know the patient's mouth breathing and nasal obstruction which would normally be the reason for both CPAP and oral appliance therapy failing and that airway and the the expand valve completely rearrange upper airway physiology and turn that what was previously the reason for treatment failure into the treatment itself so the patient's own breathing becomes the CPAP and so when you look at, you know, a standard mouth guard that drags a jaw forward or a pump and a mask that pumps air into your face, what we've got here is we're just actually allowing the patient to breathe on inhalation and then modifying exhalation to further stabilise the airway. So we're very much using a physiologic intervention that, while very um, simple, is incredibly elegant in the way that it uh, influences upper airway physiology and allows the patient to continue to ventilate. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so given your uh, unique approach to uh, airways management, uh, who, who do you think are your uh, competitors uh, 
would, would you say broadly they are the uh, other mouth guard providers and, and there's quite a few of them? Yeah, I don't think it is actually, Tim. I mean, I look at that market and a standard mouth guard is indicated for a mild to moderate sleep apnea patient um, you know, or someone that's failed CPAP, and that's those those devices are sold through the dentist, and the dentist is not licensed to manage sleep apnea, so it's a very fragmented and disjointed market. And you know, we're happy for um, mouth guard, standard mouth guard companies to compete in that environment. And then you look at CPAP, where it is you know gold standard recommended as first pass, but with huge failure rates. Um, and I think with our technology, we do have a certain market segment that is our own for patients, you know, 35% of patients that refuse a CPAP trial, um, that 83% of them are going to have nasal obstruction and be mouth breathers. And our technology actually works incredibly effectively for them. And we institute within the sleep facilities a screening questionnaire called the nose questionnaire to identify those patients up front. Um, there's, and, and these are those patients, that segment of patients, probably about 50% of the market that we see as um, our market that we can address um, substantially unopposed at this point in time due to the um, improvement in technology compared to a standard mouth guard uh, in delivering higher efficacy and then the similar efficacy to CPAP with, with uh, compliance rates that are much higher. So, you know, we think we're really bridging that gap between a standard mouth guard um, and the, the traditional CPAP machine. Mm, okay. And how many devices have you sold to date and how many do you think you can sell? Look, we've been selling primarily to dentists in Australia on a traditional model and we've, we've sold around about 2,500 units. Um, with the lab-in-lab lab model, um, the numbers uh, within these sleep facilities are quite staggering. Um, there are 3 million patients in the US that have been diagnosed with sleep apnea that have abandoned treatment at the moment. And those um, patients are patients of um, sleep physicians and sleep laboratories in the US. And it's these sleep facilities that are desperate uh, for another treatment option for their patients. So when we see, when we talk to these facilities that are struggling with patients that are very unwell with a very serious um, disease or disorder, when they see this new treatment option that's highly efficacious and well tolerated, you know, they're very excited about that. So I would have thought that a large percentage of the um, patients outside of care, of which there's around 3 million in the US alone, plus then your diagnostic rates are quite high as well, um, you know, with diagnostic rates uh, approaching a million a year in the US and a third of them would refuse CPAP and because we have the most effective treatment um, in terms of efficacy after CPAP which much, with much higher compliance rates, then as we educate that sleep channel, the next option we believe would be um, an Ovenus device, an O2 vent uh, with a, an X vent most likely. Okay, terrific. Um, and just uh, just turning to, uh, to uh, the company's finances, your September quarter showed uh, receipts, I think, of about $95,000 and cash burn of uh, just under uh, $2 million. Um, how does that uh, financial profile look, look from uh, now on? We are switching or pivoting from primarily an R&D company into a cash premium company. And we have actually just recently strengthened the balance sheet um, so that we can now roll out our lab-in-lab -lab, uh, clinical model through North America. And so we would expect to see growing revenues um, in the last quarter um, of this year and then uh, significantly 
uh, growing and accelerating in 2020. And at the same time, dialing back our R&D spend, uh, we reduced it this year by around about a third, and we'd see that reducing again in the 2020 financial year while we ramp sales. So, you know, we're still looking to get cash positive um, in the not-too-distant future. It does seem like a large leap from where we are, but with the funnel of agreements that we have in place now, we have 25 uh, sites contracted with minimum quotas on devices of 20 a month. Um, that takes us, uh, you know, that puts a fair dent in cash burn. And we have also a pipeline of agreements that we're negotiating at the moment that, um, you know, will take us well past that uh, cash flow break-even position. So with a very strong balance sheet now, um, you know, we raised another $9.3 million um, over the three on the balance sheet existing, uh, less some expenses, but we're very well positioned to accelerate sales through the Lab in Lab program in North America into the back end of 2019 and uh, and well into calendar 2020. So incredibly excited about where we're at. We've got great clinical evidence, fantastic products, a great team and huge demand um, that now our job is to get great product to the customers on time. And so, you know, that's what we're really focused on right now. And it sounds like you won't uh, need any more funding. Uh, you don't need to raise any more capital for, in the foreseeable future. No, we're very comfortable with the balance sheet that we have, particularly um, with the response we've seen from facilities wanting to adopt both the device technology and the clinical delivery model. Um, it's an incredibly compelling scenario. In fact, you know, my last life was as um, a, a dentist building a network of dental clinics and, and this lab in lab model is probably the most compelling clinical business I've seen in my career, which combined, combined with um, what is really um, a disruptive technology in a, a massive multi-billion dollar, very fast growing market. You know, I think we're just in an incredible position right now, Tim. I, you know, I, I walk around with a big smile on my face because I'm so excited about what we're rolling out here in the US at the moment. <laughs> oh, that's good. And just finally, you've got some uh, pretty interesting backing or uh, <laughs> Dating back to uh, the uh, the listing, Thorny Investments and uh, Alan Moss, the former head of uh, Macquarie Bank, are, are they still on board? Yeah, absolutely. They've been uh, very supportive over a long period of time. Um, we've and a lot, uh, quite a few more institutions came into the stock in the last raise, and you know we've been adding institutions to the to the register over time. We've had great support um, from all the investors that have come in all the way through. Um, you know. Through ups and downs, um, they've they've really backed the story, uh, and you know what? Um, I, I really think they're going to be rewarded for their support and patience in, in the next one to two years. I, I think we really are at an inflection point, and we're very grateful for the investor support that we've had up to this point. Yeah, oh, terrific! I hope it reaps uh, rewards for uh, all of your shareholders, uh, Chris. You're obviously making a, a deep impression on the sector, if uh, you, you could excuse the pun, and uh, I'll uh, follow your progress with interest. So uh, thanks for uh, chatting and good luck with it all. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Look, I really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk to us. You know, we think it's a great story. We're very excited about what lies ahead and, you know, we're really happy to share this uh, story at what we think is a, a very exciting time for the company. Thanks, Chris.